Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message by Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Well, this morning, we're going to look at worshiping God through our giving. Worship is the act of attributing honor to God. One definition for worship literally means to bow down, to kneel before God. When we worship God, we're honoring Him and we're submitting to His authority in our life. So for us to worship God and honor Him or to submit to Him in the area of giving means that we follow His word and direction that He's given us when it comes to giving. When we know what His word says about giving and we obey it, we're literally worshiping Him in our giving. But before we can worship Him in our giving, we have to know what His Word says about it. And so my prayer this morning is that we're going to all leave this morning with a better understanding of how to worship God in our tithes and offerings, and that doing so can literally be a life of blessing and, and fulfillment and not just a matter of following a law or a rule. I want to start out this morning by giving a high-level background for giving that runs throughout the whole Bible. Uh, the portions that I'm going to reference aren't going to be up on the screen, uh, but I will tell you the books of the Bible that they're in, uh, just because I'm kind of giving a, an overview, but we'll get to some specific scriptures later. Uh, also, we've started updating or uploading all of our notes, whether Pastor Daryl or I are preaching, they'll be on our website. So if you go to our website by the end of Monday, each week we'll have not only the message uploaded, but also our notes. So if you miss a scripture reference or something like that, you can go get those um, and catch up on anything you might missed. Many people would assume that tithes and offerings uh, started with the law of Moses in Exodus, but that's not the case. Uh, Tithes and offerings literally predate Moses by thousands of years. Uh, Abel, the son of Adam, who is the first man created, actually uh, is the first recorded offering from a human being. But actually the first offering that was given was given by God in uh, in Genesis chapter 3. So, as you all know, Adam and Eve sinned, or maybe maybe you all know that Adam and Eve sinned. God had uh, given them one commandment, to not eat of a tree there in the garden, and they did. And so the first recorded uh, sacrifice in Genesis 3 is that God killed some animals and made for them clothes to redeem them, to cover them, to cover the sin that they'd committed. And so that was the first sacrifice. And then that's followed uh, by the one that we see in Genesis chapter 4 when Abel gives his offering. And he gives, it, it literally says he gives of the firstborn of his flock. And his brother also gave a sacrifice, but it was from, it just says, an offering, like he brought something from uh, the fruits of his labor. So it wasn't the first fruit. It wasn't his best. It wasn't the first. And so God didn't receive that offering. It says he received and accepted Abel's, but not Cain's. And so that's the first offering that we, that we see in Genesis 4. And what it shows us is this principle of giving the first and our best. Again, long before the law of Moses, 430 years before, to be exact, Abraham, the father of our faith, gave 10%, a tithe. It says a tenth of all of his possessions to the Lord. And he gave this tenth of his possessions to the priest of God most high, Melchizedek. And you can read this story in Genesis chapter 14, verses 17 through 20. According to Psalm 110 in Hebrews chapters 5 through 7, Melchizedek is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. Abraham gave his tithe, this tenth, to Melchizedek. 
And that was a foreshadowing of Christ, that he was a priest of God. And you can look, uh, look at that whole story in, in Hebrews. But I want to show you one scripture in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8. And this will be up on your screen. And what it says about our tithes and offerings. And this is referencing uh, Melchizedek and Jesus Christ. It says, Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he, and that's referring to Jesus Christ, receives them. Or whom it is witnessed that he of whom it is witnessed that he lives. So if we're looking for a motivation to tithe, how about the fact that Jesus Christ Himself is the one that's receiving them? Chapters five and seven mention that Melchizedek and Abraham are, and they're explaining how uh, all of this pointed to Jesus Christ. And then the author points out that while Melchizedek and other mortal men receive the tithes. Here on earth, it's actually Jesus Christ who receives them in heaven. So there's countless examples throughout the Old Testament, both before and after the law of Moses regarding tithes and offerings. And there's also plenty found in the New Testament as well. And we're going to look at some of these uh, specifically in a moment. But before I do, I want us to understand that God placed this uh, principle of first throughout his word, this first fruit, firstborn, and the first of all of our increase. Uh, is to be his giving the first redeems the rest remember the first sacrifice was made by god to cover the nakedness of adam and eve because they had sinned he was literally starting that process of redemption for us in that sacrifice their sin had to be covered they had to be redeemed and we know that eventually god would give his firstborn son his very best his first jesus christ to be our redemption The firstborn son of God redeems us all. God himself follows the principle of giving from the first and from the very best. This principle of the first belonging to God is why we're either blessed or cursed when we choose to give or withhold the tithe. And I'll give you a few scriptures in just a moment to illustrate that clearly. But before I do, I want you to uh, give me a little leeway and allow me to talk about a story that, that this isn't specifically stated in the Bible, but I believe the principle is seen clearly and you'll, you'll see it as well. So as we discussed, you know, Adam and Eve sinned by eating from that, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this tree, um, it doesn't say this, and this is the part that I'm kind of taking some leeway on. It doesn't say that that was the first tree God created. But what it does say is that God said, don't touch it. Don't actually said, don't eat of it. That's part of the lie that Satan said. He said, don't even touch it. But but uh, that part wasn't true. He said, just don't eat of that tree of every other tree in the garden. You may eat, but of that tree, don't eat. So this this is the part that I'm kind of expounding on is is the assumption that maybe that was the first tree God created. Now, regardless of whether it was or not. We know that he set it apart for himself. And that's the principle that we're going to see here in a moment when we look at these two other scriptures, is that God set the tithe apart from himself, for himself. He said, that is mine. I'm giving you everything else of this. Don't touch. Give this to me. Return it to me. So with Adam and Eve, if, if, we, if we kind of walk down this path, he set that tree apart and said, you can have everything else. I've given you all the fruit of the garden This one thing is reserved for me. Just don't eat that one. And as we all know what happened, (laughs) they went to the one thing they weren't supposed to have and they took of it. 
And what we're going to see in a moment is that God refers to taking of the tithe as literally stealing from him. And Adam and Eve stole from God the one thing that he said don't do. They took from him and they stole from him what had been set apart from him. Now, we don't have time to cover the many references this morning in the Bible, but there's a clear principle seen over and over throughout Scripture that when we keep for ourselves something that belongs to God, it's cursed. Or in this sense, with the tree, when we take something uh, God has set apart. You all may remember the Scripture uh, when, when Israel went into the Promised Land and they went into Jericho. Jericho was the first city they were going to take. And God said, don't keep anything. None of the spoils that you get out of Jericho, all of that is to go to me. Uh, and what happened? One family kept the spoils and it literally cursed the entire nation. The next city that they went up against, they were losing the battles. Many people were getting killed and they were like, God, what happened? You told us that this is what we were supposed to do. And he said, someone kept what was mine, what had been dedicated to me. So if Adam... And Eve uh, ate this first fruit, they would be cursed. They could literally have everything else, be blessed by all of the other fruit in the garden. Just don't eat of the tree that I've set apart from, from the others. And of course, like I said, we know that, that they did. And that that first sacrifice that we saw was to redeem, redeem them, to start that process of redemption that would cover our sins, that would be a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ So let me show you this principle in two other scriptures that I think make it very clear. In Leviticus 27.30, we read, Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. It's hard to say it much clearer than that. Every tithe is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. The tithe has never belonged to us. Even though God gave us the stewardship, he gave Adam and Eve the stewardship of the garden from the very beginning before the fall. He gave them the command to steward all things, but said, don't take from this tree. Don't you can't eat this. Even in the beginning, even before the fall, there was this principle of leaving something alone for God. So the tithe has never belonged to us. It belongs to God. It's literally holy and set apart for him, but he gives us the opportunity to worship him, to show his lordship in our life, to bow before him and give him back what is his. And in truth, everything belongs to God. A hundred percent of everything is his. He chooses to give it to us to steward. He gave us the earth and everything in it to bless us. But he never gave up the ownership of the first part of the tithe. The first fruit of the tithe That has always belonged to him. We're going to look at some more scriptures showing this in just a moment. But right now, I just want us to look at the fact that God held on to the ownership of the first part. It's not because he needs it. It's so we will always acknowledge our dependence on him and keep him first in our hearts and minds. It's a constant reminder. He's saying that every time we get an increase, we give that first part to him. It's a constant reminder of his lordship in our life. Through tithes and offerings, he gives us this opportunity to worship him, to bow before him, to show his lordship in our life. Literally every time we give a tithe or an offering, we're worshiping him and honoring him and acknowledging that everything is his. The tithe is his and we worship him by giving it back, hopefully willingly and joyfully. The other scripture that makes this principle really clear, you've probably all 
heard this one before. It's Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 through 12. This is God speaking to the children of Israel through a prophet. He says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a delight, delightful in the land, says the Lord of hosts. So God said to the people of Israel that they were robbing him. And they said, how are we robbing you? And he says, in your tithes and offerings, you're taking from the part that was mine. It never belonged to you. And you're withholding that. And they were holding it. And God said, look, you can keep 90%. You can keep nine tenths. Just give me the first tenth. And he promises, if you do this, if you follow this command, I will. God is saying, I will take on the responsibility of so blessing what's left that literally the entire world will stand up and take notice and say, look at this blessed nation. Because they've followed the commandment of God, God says, I will rebuke the devourer. I will bless you. Just don't keep what's mine. Don't rob from me. And now let's take a look at a few verses that remind us that literally everything, you know, we talk about the tithe and we talk about things that, in ways that he leads us to give offerings, but, but we just need to remind ourselves that literally it's all his. Leviticus twenty five twenty three says, The land shall not be sold in perpetuity, for the land is mine. For you are strangers and sojourners with me. That last part is something that never stood out to me really before until I was studying it this week. And I was like, isn't it really neat that God says, look, the, the land's mine. It's never going to belong to you anyway. You're going to come. You're going to go. land's still going to be there. You're going to be gone. You know, what possession can we say we're really going to ever hold on to? And God says, you're sojourners in the land. I don't care how long you're there. You're a sojourner. But you're with me. You're in relationship with me. Trust me with your livelihood. Trust me with, with all of your needs. You know, Jesus said, you know, you worry about all these things, what you're going to eat tomorrow, what you're going to wear. And he says, look how I've clothed the lilies of the field. Don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of you. I'm the one that owns everything. Just follow my commands and stay with me and everything's going to be okay. Stay in your relationship with God and don't worry about these things and I will be with you. I will bless you. Deuteronomy 10:14 says, "Behold to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that's in it." I think we would be hard-pressed to describe something that doesn't fall into one of those categories. If you can think of something, let me know. He gives all of it to us to steward and simply ask that in honor of him, in worship of him, we acknowledge his lordship and return to him what he's always held on to, which is the tithe. And that he then will take on that ownership of showing how much he can bless what's left. 
Job 41.11 says, Who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. God was really telling Job, you know, you, you think you've lost all these things. They were never yours to begin with. They were mine. You didn't give me anything. It was all given to you. Psalm 89.11 says, The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. And for a New Testament example, look at 1 Corinthians 10.26. It says, For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Some would say things have changed in the New Testament, but according to 1 Corinthians, even in the New Testament, everything belongs to God. And in Malachi 3.6, just two verses before what we read earlier, God said, I, the Lord, do not change. Everything belongs to God, but he's given it to us to be stewards. Remember in the garden before the fall, everything belonged to God, and he gave that responsibility of stewardship to Adam and Eve. It was theirs to steward and use. He asked one thing for them to, to not use, but as we know, they took it. And they took it from God, literally robbing him, which is what the children of Israel were doing in Malachi. They were repeating the same principle. God said, this is set apart from me and you're robbing me. And they're saying, what? We haven't. How could we rob you in your tithes and offerings? You're holding back what was dedicated to me, set apart, holy. As we read in Leviticus, the, the tithe is mine. It's set apart, holy to God. Before we close, I want to touch on offerings. And offerings are what we give to God above and beyond the tithe. Until we're tithing, it's literally impossible to give an offering. If you're not giving a tithe then you, and you give something, well, then you haven't met the tithe yet. So an offering comes after we've given to God what's his. The offering is, again, just more of our worship, more of our honoring him, more of us showing what he is and who he is in our life that we're saying, Lord... I've given you the 10%. Candy and I have followed this. I've followed that principle my whole life. Candy started tithing when we, when we got married. Um, and I, I, I've always just been amazed by how she just jumped on board with that because it wasn't something that in, in her church and her family had grown up doing. But when we talked about it, it was this instantaneous. All I did was kind of what we're doing here. I was like, here's what the Bible says. She was like, that's all I need to see. Let's go. And to the point that she went, started going above and beyond on the offering side, that I was like, whoa, you know, slow down a little bit, you know, uh, and, and made me uncomfortable in the generosity. But as, as we've gone through the years uh, over 20 or in our 20th year of marriage, she's pulled me a long way and we continue to grow in that. As I was preparing this message, my prayer was that God would continue to work in us, both of us, that we would just continue to step out more and more on that offering side that, Lord, we can't outgive you. We can't, um, if we're following you, if we're responding as the Spirit leads, like they did in Exodus, the scripture that we talked about um, when we referred to the building, it's just as the Lord puts it on your heart, as the Holy Spirit leads, uh, and those offerings can go anywhere. You know, the, the, the Bible says that we bring the tithe into the storehouse, to the church, that we're a part of that body. But those offerings, he could tell you to give it to your neighbor. He could tell you to give it to another ministry. We support other ministries outside of, outside of uh, Lampasas. Um, we, we've supported different people. There's all kinds of different things. But it's as the Lord puts it on our heart, we give to those things. And it's a joy. We do it cheerfully, and it's a blessing to see what God does with those offerings and how he blesses others. So First Chronicles 16.29 says, Give to the Lord 
the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Worship the Lord. Honor him. We can display his lordship in our lives in bringing an offering before him. Philippians 4, 17 through 18 says, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. The gifts they gave were a fragrant offering to God, a sacrifice that was acceptable and pleasing to him. And 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8 and verse 10 says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Sounds like a lot like what we read in Malachi when we give what God puts on our heart and leads us. These scriptures show them giving as the Holy Spirit led cheerfully and joyfully. They described, I believe these are all describing offerings um, as the Holy Spirit led them, they gave, and that it was above and beyond the tithe. And I say that because in Matthew 23, 23, Jesus himself, he rebuked the Pharisees and he told them they were faithfully tithing on everything down to even on, uh, on spices. And he says, you're, you're tithing on everything, even, even the little things, but neglecting justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And then Jesus basically says, yes, of course you should be tithing on all those things, but also don't neglect the weightier things, which is faithfulness, love, and mercy, and justice. So Jesus was saying, yes, you're, you're absolutely, you're supposed to continue tithing, but don't not do these things either. And I believe the other, uh, the other scriptures that we just read, they were continuing to give those tithes, but then all of these other offerings and things that they were talking about were literally offerings. They were giving above and beyond that as the Holy Spirit led them and God was blessing them because of it. And he blesses us in this giving. God's heart is to bless us. He followed this principle of first himself. We already talked about that by giving his firstborn son, Jesus Christ, to redeem us. It should be our honor and our privilege, our sheer joy to worship him, to acknowledge his lordship in every area of our life, including in returning the tithe back to him and then giving above and beyond that as the Holy Spirit leads us. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. We would say that doesn't make sense. It's basically saying, give that first fruit away. Give this away that your barns will be full and your your vats uh, will be bursting with wine. It's like it doesn't make mathematical sense. I talked to someone after the first service and, and uh, they were kind of like, Kenny and I were one had given and until they got married, they didn't start giving. And the other spouse was very mathematical. And she said he looked at the, you know, their books and that kind of stuff. And he said, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. You know, we, we started tithing and we're giving this and we're okay. We're blessed, but it doesn't make sense. That's what this scripture is talking about. It's just saying, honor the Lord in the first. Do what he's commanded you to do and he will bless you. He will rebuke the devourer. 
And then Luke uh, 6.38. I'm sorry, Proverbs 11.24-25. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. And then a verse in the New Testament, Luke 6:38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. I want to share a testimony, two testimonies actually, that they're not from a specific person. But I think you've probably heard both of these or maybe you've given one or both of these in your lifetime. And the first is that the testimony of someone who's tithing and giving offerings, I've never spoke to anyone who's doing that and walking in that faithfully who says we're not, they, they say we're blessed by God. God's blessing us. Uh, and, and they give the glory to him. They give the honor to him. They acknowledge that it's all his. They're, they're just, they, they give. And, and it, again, it's, it's, we're absolutely not talking about trying to say, okay, you give a hundred, you're going to get back a thousand dollars. That's not the point here. It's that God just said, this is the principle. This is how things work. You honor me in this. I will bless everything else. I will take care of your needs. And, uh, like I said, Kenny and I have seen this over our lives. I'll share a little bit more of a testimony here. Just a second on that. The other testimony, and it's what we just read in, in Psalms, the other testimony is someone who is not tithing, not giving, and their testimony I've never heard other than this, and it's, I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford it. If we tithe, we, you know, we're not making it as it is. You know, if, how can I give 10% away and then still make it when we're not making it now? And so, if you think about that, if we just think about that for a moment, these two testimonies, the testimonies of every tither and non-tither that we've ever met, that we've ever talked to, that we've experienced even as we've walked through our own lives, these testimonies speak to every truth and principle that we just looked at this morning. When we follow God's word, he blesses everything else. When we don't, when we hold back from him, when we literally steal what's his the other can't be blessed. He can't go against himself. He can't, uh, he literally can't bless you. His heart is to bless you. But when we hold back from that, we're literally tying his hands from blessing. Because we're holding on to what is his. And that scripture uh, in, in Psalms, it says, One who gives freely, yet still grows richer, but the one who withholds only suffers want. That's the testimony of a tither and a non-tither. Um, I'll close this morning with a personal testimony. I think I've shared at least part of this with you before. Candy and I, I was a youth pastor in Tulia many years ago. And before she stopped working, when she had our oldest daughter, Abby, we felt like, or she, God actually I think spoke to her, that we were supposed to increase what we were giving. And so we started increasing our giving and then uh, when we were having Abby, we felt like we were, she was supposed to stay home, that she was going to raise our kids and, and be a full-time mom. And, so, and I was living on a youth pastor's salary, which was extremely low. And um, she has the baby, quits her job, you know, stays home. And we prayed about it, and we felt like God said, keep giving what you are giving. Like we didn't reduce it. Dan, and talk about, te- you know, she's good. <laughs> you know, I talked to you about her heart for it. She's like, ah, yeah, God's, God's going to take care of her. I was a little worried. Um, 
But it was okay. Like, it was kind of like that testimony I said about the man uh, from the first service. It was like, it doesn't add up, but somehow <laughs> bills are getting paid. We're, we're okay. And we were kind of living in that just months and months. It really wasn't making any sense, but God was taking care of it. And so then this story happens. Um, we were having a prayer, and this is just one example of what God kind of did, but most of it was literally on the side of I just couldn't explain it. Like, it, it just didn't make sense. This part of the explanation is obvious. Um, so I, we were going to have a prayer meeting at the church, and I was there beforehand with the people who were going to be praying for others. And uh, as we were praying, somebody came and put something in my back pocket. And so I just kept praying. I didn't um, look or see, but as we were walking out, I was like, oh, I thought it was like someone gave me a note or, you know, something like that. Well, I pulled it out and it was a hundred dollar bill. At that time, a hundred dollars was, you know, this huge sum of money. And so I was like, wow, God, that is awesome. You know, you, you're taking care of our needs. You're blessing us. And, uh, so we go out and we're praying for people and I'm praying for this couple and God says, give them the hundred dollars. And Candy wasn't there that evening, but I was just like, I literally, this thought went through my head. I was like, how am I going to tell Candy somebody gave me a hundred dollars and I gave it away? And really, the I mean, really, this is me trying to figure out a way to get out of it because I, if I really considered even for a moment, she'd have been like, "That's you know, yeah." God, I have, I have never brought something to her when it comes to giving where there's even a spike. It's just absolutely. Now, if it's something like if I wanted to say I wanted to buy this thing, it's like, ooh, that's expensive. But I could double it and say, we're going to give it to God. And she's like, go, give it away. Woo, we're good. So, I mean, the thought that she would have any problem was just ridiculous. But anyway, like I said, I think it was my way of telling God, hey, we need this. Can I keep it? And um, so we, but it was clear, give this to this couple. So I'm like, and I didn't even know why. I said, all I said, I don't know why. God just told me to give this to you. And they were kind of like, okay, you know, and, and, and they go off. The interesting thing on that side of the story is they come back a week or so later and said they were balancing their checkbook and they were $100 short. And that made up the $100. So they didn't even know, like, they didn't know they needed it yet. They were kind of like, she was like, when you gave it to me, I was kind of like, I don't know what this is for. We don't really need it. But when, when they were balancing their checkbook, they were short $100 and it, it bounced out. So I get home that evening of the prayer meeting and uh, telling Candace the story, literally in the middle of telling the story, and somebody knocks on our door and uh, says, we thought God told us to give this to you, and it was a check for $1,000. Um, and so, you know, the, the tithe, it's 10 times that, you know, there's, there's that. But, but like I said, it's not, that's only happened once. We've, we've given lots, you know, through our lives. That only happened one time. So there's, there's absolutely not this. I'm not telling you there's a principle that you give 10, you're going to get back 100. You give 100, you're going to get back 1,000. That's not what God says in the Bible. He just says, you will be blessed when you return to me what's mine. Don't worry about it. It's all mine. Trust me that I'm your provider and I will take care of you and everything. Now, that happened to us one time. What I can tell you from our entire, entire marriage and my entire life, regardless of what our financial situation looked like, we were blessed. We never lacked. We had enough. We had food to eat. We had a roof over our head. And if you'd have asked either one of us at any point in that entire time, we would say, God's blessing us. He blesses us. He takes care of us. We know that we're blessed. That's all I can tell you. That's my testimony. We're blessed by God when we follow his word. And if you go into the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, it's not just tithing. It's kind of the whole picture. He was saying, if you follow my commandments, 
there's, there's four scriptures in, in Deuteronomy where he says, if you follow my commandments, I will bless every work of your hand. Everything that you put your hand to will be blessed. And that included tithing. It wasn't just that. It was, but he was saying, all of the things that I've commanded you, if you do what I've called you to do, I will bless all the works of your hands. We can trust him. He'll take care of us. So my encouragement to you this morning is if you aren't tithing, if you've never tried that before, do like Mal- uh, Malachi 6 says, test them in this. I'm sorry, Malachi 3, 6 and through 10. He gives that the one place in the whole Bible that God says, test me in this. If you don't return, if you return to me what's mine, what I never gave ownership away of, What is literally set apart and holy to me, if you will give that to me and honor me in that, test me if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing on you. If I will not rebuke the devourer, he's saying, I will take the responsibility for you if you do what I've called you to do. So if you haven't ever done that, try it. I I guarantee he won't fail you. He's never failed us. He's never, I've got generations of family uh, that have, have followed him. He's never failed any of us. And they've been faithful just in giving what is his back. And then the other thing is, if you are a tither, and, and I, you know the joy of that. You know you're blessed. You know God's doing that. And maybe you're also even doing some in offerings. But you might pray to God and ask, say, what would you have us do in the area of offerings? What else can we do? What else can we give? Uh, and it's not, I'm not talking about here. I'm not talking about the building. Um, God's going to pay for that. He told us to do it. He's going to take care of it. has nothing to do with that. This is about us doing what he's calling us to do in our personal lives and allowing God to do that work. So it may be something he tells you to give to a neighbor. It may be um, you may be an H-E-B and God says, give this to that person. I don't know. It doesn't matter. As the Holy Spirit speaks to you, do whatever that is, and you will see God's work and what he's doing. And I'm not saying you're going to get stuff in return, but I guarantee you, you will be blessed, and God will reveal himself in that. So as we were, um, or this week as I was preparing this, and I'm continuing to pray that God, that he'll get me half of where to where Candy is um, in this area of giving, but asking him to show me places that we can do more in this area of offering. And God, uh, I won't get any of the specifics, but God put something in my heart this week. And of course, I asked Candy and she was like, <laughs> you know, no, not even a hesitation. You know, yeah, absolutely. If God told you to do that, do it. And so we, we gave an amount of money. It's not, not here. It's outside. Um, and, and they it told us where it was going to go. And I was just like, fantastic. You know, what you're going to, what they're going to do with it. I was like, I don't care. Because literally at the moment he told me to give it, it wasn't mine anymore. It wasn't ours. When he gave a designation, it's kind of like the tithe. At the point that he designated it, that isn't ours. It does not belong to us. It never did. It never will. And the same thing goes for true in the offerings. When he speaks to you to do something with it, at the moment he speaks that to you, that's not yours anymore. He put you as steward over it, and now he gave you a direct commandment of something to do with it. So you, I, I would suggest to do with it what he told you to do. And you'll be blessed. He'll bless you. He will take care of you. You can count on it. Will you bow your head with me this morning as we close in prayer? Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Lord, I thank you most of all, Lord, that you gave the first sacrifice for Adam and Eve to cover their nakedness. 
And you gave us a picture of giving the best first that would ever be given in all time. Your son, Jesus Christ. You did not withhold your firstborn son. You said it was worth it to redeem us. Lord, and we thank you for that. We give you praise and glory and honor and we worship you, Father. And I just pray through your Holy Spirit that you will bring the presence and an understanding of your Lordship into this place, into this community, that we would know, Lord, your word says that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Today I pray that today we will bow our knee and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. He has redeemed us. The first has redeemed all the way to the last, Lord. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your generosity. We thank you and we give you all glory and all honor and all power because it belongs to you. Everything belongs to you. Father, I pray that we would hear the, the nudges of the Holy Spirit as you speak to us on what to do with our offerings, Lord, of when to give our offerings, and that we would, we would bring them and give them away with joy and cheer to watch what you're going to do, what you will accomplish in your kingdom. And Father, I pray for anyone who may be struggling with that concept of tithing this morning, Lord, that you would just speak to their heart this morning, that they would know that they can trust you that you are faithful, that you're literally just chomping at the bit to open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing upon them in every way. Father, we dedicate, we give to you what belongs to you. In your name we pray. Amen. We have just one other announcement uh, before we go into the Word this morning. If you have your bulletin, you, you can look at the back page. We're giving an update on our building campaign at the beginning of every month. And so uh, we just want to do that this morning quickly. If you're if you're new, if you're not aware, we are in the process of building a new building. It's going to be uh, used for our children and youth and uh, daycare, heritage daycare. And, and we believe it's going to be able to be used for a lot of other things as well. But but God put that on our heart to to have space for, for our children, our youth as we continue to grow. Currently, there's literally not a room in our building that's not used uh, every single week on Wednesday nights. We're literally packed out in every area of here and the hallways and common grounds and everywhere. Um, so it's really going to provide a lot more space for the children and, and other places to meet. So we're really excited about what God's going to do through that facility. So uh, if everything goes according to plan, we should have the foundation and the entire structure uh, completed and built by the end of April. So, which isn't too far away. Um, it'll be really neat to see that. That'll be the completion of phase one. And I think it'll kind of... Uh, you know, make us know it's a little more real and closer when we can actually see that progressing. Um, then we'll proceed with phase two and three as God provides the funds. We've been looking at Exodus 25, one through two as the scripture that God gave us for that. It's at the bottom of the bulletin. It says, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution from every man whose heart moves him. You shall receive the contribution for me. So we're basically just saying as the spirit leads and puts on your heart that that we will give toward that 
as God leads and we'll complete it as, as soon as we can. I'm personally believing and praying that it's going to be ready for use when we start school in August of 2021. That's really not far away for, for all of you adults who know time goes by really quickly. That's like tomorrow. Um, so we're really excited of that. The estimated cost for phase one is $260,000. You can see that there on the left for the phase one plan. We've already received uh, just under $240,000 and we just need slightly over $20,000 to totally have that complete, which like I said, we're on track um, for having that done in April and I don't have any doubts that we'll have that and, and more before then. Uh, to date, we've spent just over $30,000 of that on architectural plans and the deposit on the still building, which are all part of that phase. Um, and we just need a little over $600,000 to have the money to complete the entire project all the way through phase three. So that's where we are on that. Just continue to pray and give toward that as the Holy Spirit leads you. And if you have any questions, you can ask me or uh, Pastor Darrell or any one of our elders, and we'd be happy to answer any questions that you might have. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.